Welcome back to the Cairo London podcast. I'm still on a tour down here in deepest, darkest Cornwall. Yep, it's Craig McLean here again with the Cairo London podcast. And this week I had a great time interviewing Simon and Neil Finnamore, both chiropractors down here in the southwest, one in Exeter, one in Falmouth in Cornwall. And yeah, both brothers both chiropractors, one studied at WEOC, the other studied at AECC, and they have quite a story about how they got into it and how they evolved from being fairly mechanistic chiros to being you know, more embracing of the um, you know, more well-being model of chiro. Um, but yeah, Simon, uh, in his spare time, decided it would be a great idea to start making gin. So he's got this great gin label called Monterey Gin. I had a tour of the still where he actually makes the gin, his 300-litre still that he keeps um, in a shed uh, on his property on the Helford River. And you might be able to tell. Here's a little warning. Uh, We recorded this at about 10 o'clock at night after we'd all been sampling quite a bit of product of the Monterey Gin, mixed by the maestro himself, Simon, the bartender with the most uh, skill I've known or seen and knowledge I've seen for a while. And yeah, so it makes for some interesting listening. Uh, but we cracked on it sort of says something strange about me where I decided it's a great idea to actually bring a microphone out at nine o'clock at night after we've had a few drinks Uh, but I've never done that before so give us uh, some feedback as to whether you think I should do all of them with a martini in hand or not Um, and if you do make it all the way to the end um, not only do we cover Cairo gin making but uh, there's some interesting opinions about the whole COVID-19 thing, which um, I, I think are not too controversial. So I left them in there. Have a listen. Let me know what you think. All right. Hope you enjoy a podcast with a difference. Anyway, here we are in Cornwall. <laughs> we have the two brothers, the criminal brothers, Maybe. No, you criminals? Yeah, yeah. Aspiring criminals. Simon and Neil Finnamore. Did I say that right? Yep, you did, yeah. Chiropractors extraordinaire. Yeah. What are we drinking, though? More importantly. Actually, let's just set the scene. What are we looking at at the moment? Um, Where where is the scene? So, we're in um, Halford River Distillery's headquarters. And we are drinking Monterey Gin, um, which I make in my spare time. And we're drinking a hanky panky. <laughs> All three of us, including Craig. I'm um, drinking a hanky, he's drinking a hanky. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the hanky panky is made of Monterey Gin and sweet vermouth, that red vermouth, like Martini Rosso. And. Uh, um, and something called Fernabranca, which is a German liquor made of 59, I think 59, different herbs and spices, which... Uh, well, let's not get bogged down too yeah, much no, in the details not. of drinking. I just said, <laughs> okay. we're drinking a martini, right? Um. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. It's called a hanky-banky. Uh, 
Anyway, three chiropractors drinking a martini. Yeah, it's dangerous business. Now, uh, I've obviously I'm just on tour. I'm just on holiday here, and um, Great. Uh, <laughs> I now apparently can't go anywhere without sort of just dragging a microphone out and sitting down in front of someone. But um, um, the the idea of a this podcast that we're doing is sense to have a bit of a Cairo focus, and the fact that the two brothers here are chiropractors, possibly they're more into gin than chiropractic right at this very moment, but no, no, we're more the more gin we drink, the more into chiropractic we get. Well, yeah, look, go back to that story we we're just talking about. It. We we're just talking about that idea of like, um, uh, what you went to Weok and graduated when 2002. I went to ACC and graduated in 1995. Eight. No, 1998. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're more into gin than chiropractic. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so um, I met you first when you were working in Fulham, right? Um, and you left Fulham in what year? Uh, must have been 2014. And that was when you came down to Cornwall, and it's been no looking back since, right? No. um, Yeah, I left London, set up uh, in Cornwall, um, in a little place in a marina um, in Falmouth Town, and yeah, it was pretty smooth from the beginning to where I am now, three, four years in. Six. <laughs> oh yeah, but it took, I was working for other people for a while. I oh, see. So you didn't set up your own thing straight away. No, um, needed to find the right premises. Worked for uh, some people in Devon and used to commute from Cornwall to Devon on a daily basis. Uh, I did that for about a year and a half, and then um, found found the living room premises and set up there. All right. So Neil, what's your story? What did you do? What's your journey? So I went straight to Exeter where I still practice now and probably set up a practice together with four mates that we graduate all together and did that for many years and then kind of found our philosophical differences and kind of kind of went our separate ways and I've been practicing by myself for the last seven years and best thing I ever did. That's cool because both of you guys then have kind of taken that journey where it's sort of enabled you to do your own thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Now, look, go back though. Um, mm-hmm. You started Cairo first. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that all, how did the, you become a family Cairo kind of deal? Um, eh, not that. Neil would necessarily uh, want to admit this, but it's all down to um, our mother, who thought it was a really good thing to do. I had a place at a different university to do something normal instead of chiropractic. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, to make my mum happy, uh, I said I would commit to a year of chiropractic college. And... um, and then, if I liked it, I would say. If I didn't, I would go back to my normal course that I deferred for a year. So I went to chiropractic college, and I 
um, said in the first few days that I went down for induction that it was full of weirdos and I'm coming home and I'm going to a normal university. <laughs> doing um, normal stuff. Doing normal stuff. Um, but I, I, I got three freshers week and I stayed and after I was there for a little while I, um, I decided to stay. Uh, because I, I I found something that um, maybe I wouldn't have found anywhere else in another normal course, and I, I was excited to stay. It was uh, it was full of weirdos, AECC back then, but uh, but good weirdos. So weirdos because they actually had like weird, slightly different beliefs beliefs to your normal sort of upbringing or yeah that but also i envisaged going to a normal university which would be full of young people but the acc back in <laughs> the 90s was was kind of full of um people from all age groups which was actually a really really important thing to see and to experience very good now look, we're doing a pretty good job here of pretending that you haven't had a few cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we could just relax a little bit about the fact that uh, you know it is an adult uh, listener sort of group Excellent. that we have here. You, um, all right, adults so, listen to your podcast. So I'm pretty sure. Although, yeah. Um, uh, and I hear that lockdown's been a little tricky for you, but yeah, uniquely, you guys moved in together for lockdown, right? Um, and when you chose not to practice, you thought, well, what better to then just come and watch the sunset together and um, maybe get stuck into more of the experimentation and the gin cycle than uh, the chiropractic, but um, that was cool. You got any stories to share about that? <laughs> Well, like a lot of us during lockdown, we kind of reevaluated what we kind of thought about life and what we wanted. Um, so we made some decisions about where we wanted to go in kind of practice life. Maybe we've been working separately for many years and now we've decided that maybe we want to practice together. But yeah, the... Uh, Hang on, you've just said it now publicly, it's out there, it's been recorded. <laughs> um, there's no going back no, now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we had lots of good gin adventures during lockdown. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, we're very lucky. We, we, we were um, having our lockdown in Cornwall so we could access the water on a regular basis. But, um, but yeah, um, we are intending to develop a, a whole new practice for the two of us from the ground up to hopefully build something chiropractic specific as a, a location in a building. And um, yeah, we're going to enjoy that process and hopefully open up within the next few years. Look, let's go, go back to that thing because uh, you guys strike me as a couple of lads who have embraced the chiropractic philosophy pretty well or pretty head first in the fact that you're kind of you know even though you've also embraced the kind of making gin thing pretty well but you know what was it that sort of obviously it took you a little bit of time back in AECC or maybe WIOC was obviously a bit different as well um, but did you have that natural health philosophy or 
you know, what was it that sort of really, because, you know, you, you, you guys do, I think, represent the kind of more holistic well-being side of chiropractic than, than most. So how did that whole thing come about? Probably for me, you know, going graduating from Wyok and pretty being entrenched in that mechanistic model, I didn't really truly understand what what I understand of chiropractic to be now and fully involved in the philosophy. That was purely through my own research, looking into reading stuff about BJ and stuff like that, and that kind of philosophy resonated with me. But I have to say, I didn't really get any of that <laughs> from my training. Um, yeah, but that's that's a pretty common thing, right? Where you actually you just get the bare nuts and bolts in your training, and then depending on what you do with it, then that's a thing, right? So, uh, what stuff did you read? Where, how, you know, how did you start that journey? And who were, were you sort of doing a similar thing at the same time as well? Did you speak about it as brothers or not really? Probably the biggest turning point for well, I would say for both of us was probably going to Cara Europe, and Simon introduced me to Cara Europe back in the day and we've been going regularly ever since and that's been a big turning point um yeah i would say for me i spent probably the first 10 years of my career being very acc um quantitative mechanical the stuff that we all get taught when we go to college um and probably in the last the last half of my career which is the last 15 years um, progressively I've been learning what it is that we really do and uh, yeah maybe it takes maybe you're lucky and you, you get that perspective straight away but maybe maybe that journey to, to find it uh, after 10 years of practice is, is kind of more important. So when I met you in Fulham, you were sort of instilling that kind of fairly mechanistic sort of way of doing things, right? And do you feel like you've changed significantly since you've kind of come back to the kind of the earth of Cornwall and come a bit closer to nature or um, No, I, 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 would, I would also suggest that, as Neil said, that... Um, uh, Finding a, a chiropractic community in Cairo, Europe, and allowing uh, that, allowing a, a Cairo, Europe is an interesting event. It allows you to explore the origins of chiropractic and that original chiropractic philosophy. And, and yeah, from that, finding other people that also practice in that way allows you the space to research that aspect of chiropractic and from there yeah it allowed me for certainly to drop the dogma of what we got taught and be able to find my own expression within chiropractic and find what resonated truly with with my own inner values and my own inner being rather than being indoctrinated into some particular belief system but yeah um, so talk us through that idea of what your perfect practice is, given the fact that it sounds like you might be having that journey to create it down here somewhere, right? Well, we haven't quite talked that through yet. Well, no, we, we've, we've made some designs on paper, and uh, I think finding the, the perfect space uh, 
in Cornwall, people need to be able to drive in and drive out fairly easily. They need to be parked easily. So um, it's probably a a field somewhere just outside of town and to build a practice but that also accommodates maybe a distillery would be really really good <laughs> but um but yeah practice um that allows us to practice in the way that we practice which is an open room so a fairly big room but um something that facilitates the flow of patients and provides a hub for the community to come and experience the philosophy that we espouse and that is everything from the adjustment through to maybe barbecues on a friday night and parties occasionally in the field who knows yeah a place where people can feel safe to express their values and their own belief systems and yeah just a community-based place where people can actually truly connect with themselves and with nature do they have a bar then? Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> if they go to the distillery, surely it needs a bar, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, the licensing laws um, oh. dictate that you can only open at a certain time, so it won't be open during the day. <laughs> but what? yeah, in, in after, after chiropractic hours, it'll probably be open, yeah. Yeah, place where people can come and celebrate and can eat together and... And that requires a kitchen. Outdoor kitchen. Hmm. Maybe like one of those. Yeah, new idea. That's a new one. So yeah, we're going to have an outdoor kitchen. But no, no, I mean, uh, and, and whereabouts would you do that though? Is it, does it have to be in Cornwall? I don't really understand how particularly it works. Like, you know, when I drove to the coast today, I wiggled all the way through to the bottom end of the A30, I thought it was, mm -hmm. and then sort of turned left. Mm -hmm. And it's not a direct route to the A30 from here. Um, but no. So does it have to be sort of somewhere off the A30 or not? Nope. Is that is that the lifeline of Cornwall? Or? No, I don't think so. Um, in my experience, having been here now since 2014, um, people are accustomed in most, as they are in most rural areas, to get in their car and drive. And yeah, people, so they go wherever. Yeah, so most of my clients are local, but a lot of clients drive 45 minutes plus to come and see me. Sure. So, what do you guys talk about at Cairo Europe? Because I hear you're kind of keynote speakers there at Cairo Europe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must have seen our video, Craig. Uh, well, I, I did. I think I have seen something. I, haven't, I don't think, uh, just like I haven't watched um, Moving to the Country on the BBC One. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Escape to the Country. Escape to the Country. Yeah, uh, everyone that. needs to no, look that up no. straight away and start watching Simon <laughs> Finnamore on his um, BBC One classic. He has many characters. Um, <laughs> yeah, please don't go there. But, um, but yeah, the... Uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you obviously did a bit of a skit or something. I, I don't think I have seen it, though. Okay. The, uh, but it was a bit of a... Was there, was there costumes involved? Yeah. So we did uh, maybe a, I did see it then. Yeah. We did a sort of Carl Sagan, because, I don't know, people of our generation, we grew up with Cosmos, with, with Carl Sagan. So we, we did a bit of a Carl Sagan take on the connection between consciousness, the cosmos, and chiropractic. And so we made a 20-minute um, video that we made and edited in a weekend, and it's on YouTube. You can find it. Um, so did you play that video, or did you actually yeah. you were doing it yourself? No. I played that video. <laughs> played that video. <laughs> did a few jokes 
pre and post it. Did now little, that is the way to do did it. A little, did, a, did a little rap. We did, we did all of the kind of, yeah. 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 We, did it, we did it at the BCA conference as well. All right. No, yeah. BCA conference even. <laughs> what did I say? You said BCA. Oh, I didn't do it. No, we no, definitely was... didn't do it at the BCA conference. <laughs> <laughs> that that wouldn't, would not have gone down well. Uh, who knows? <laughs> who knows? You, who knows? Uh, recently, I've, uh, I'm a BCA member and a UCA member. I know. Right? Uh, I think it has it's possibly been, uh, maybe, maybe I'm about to be kicked out of the UCA because of that, am I? Or no? You don't. You know something I don't. <laughs> no, no. Anyway, but the the uh, the guys running the BCA now is a bit of a new lifeline in that, right? All the uh, the sort of more senior members of the whole committee are moved out, and these two young guys. Well, I think there's more than just two, but um, um, Catherine Quinn is the president of the BCA, and she's like 35, um, yeah, yeah. daughter of an MP. I don't know if you know her or. Um, yeah. uh, and then Tim Button, and that, actually they work both in Bristol. Um, yeah. Because she's just moved to actually practice with him now in uh, in Bristol. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I went skiing with him. Oh, right, okay. In Austria. Where at? Uh, it was just down, it was actually Saint, uh, just down from. Oh, Saint somewhere. <laughs> Saint jo- Joseph. Saint, <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird mix of all sorts, but it was a pretty good group, really, um, yeah. for a ski. The Cairo ski trip is like something that's either going to be good or bad, and it was pretty good. So, okay. Um, which reminds me, I need to talk to you about your your infamous ski trips too, right? Exactly. Oh, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go for one this year in, Je- in yeah. January? Yeah. And it's normally Austria you go to, right? No, no, normally where? Austria? Or yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah. So we went to the uh, COVID nineteen capital of Europe this year, as usual. <laughs> Where it started? Ischgl, yeah. All right. Yeah, it's been in all the papers. Yeah. Ischgl was the 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 nest egg of COVID nineteen in Europe, and it's all started there. <laughs> so, yeah, but what was the uh, what was the because you've done this sort of yearly ski trip, right? Yeah. With who? Just the two of you, or others? Uh, myself, Connell, Dorian, and oh, uh, yeah, and Neil's come on a couple of occasions, um, but uh, also another fellow called Mark Kelly, who's involved in the Gen Project. But yeah, yeah, we go over here without fail, and uh, yeah, last year was good. Um, snow was quite good. We had a, a nice off-piste ski guide and uh, showed us the. Are you guys boarders or skiers? Uh, boarders. Oh, it's a border club only. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Your sticks of shame, man. Sticks of shame, man. Anyway, we haven't spoken enough. We've drunk enough gin, but we haven't spoken enough about it. Um, how the hell did Monterey Gin come about? Um, how involved are you in it? Not. You drink your gin Yeah, exactly. Right. So, <laughs> the Simon Project. Uh, so, Neil is the chief taster. Right? Neil, Neil is. The, yeah. yeah. Apparently, I'm pretty bad at it. So I just go. Yeah, that's nice. And I'm some more that. Um, yeah. He's so, never rejected one, though. Is he? He's oh. not not rejected one yet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no. The three, myself, Connell, and Mark, go every year. Um, no, but who who who's behind the gin thing then? Yeah, the three of us. Oh, the three of you. Are. Yeah, so Connell's in it. Connell's in it. Um, essentially, uh, I, when I was in London, my 
pastime out of work would be uh, to disappear into various speakeasies around London, which you had to know where the doorway was. And so I found that a lot of fun. And so he's been good at it. So, so yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, did that a lot and developed a bit of a taste for cocktails. And so we were away in Austria, and I was telling the boys that they um, that making a gin would not be that difficult. Um, but I was also saying that the gin bubble would probably burst, so there's no point. And they were both very encouraging and said, well, why don't we make a gin? So I said, no, there's just no point. It's, that gin thing is gone, come and gone. Anyway, we did, and here we are. It's taken us two years, but we've, we've, got, we've got the gin in the bottle and it's on the shelves. And um, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. So how does even one go about starting the process of making gin? Obviously, I've met your distiller. You're still, what are you, what are you Shirley. Talking? You're still, yeah. what's her name? Shirley. 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 Yeah. Who's in a garage down by the river. Just to be clear, Shirley is not a lady. She is a copper uh, Olympic still. Uh, she's very attractive, but yeah. she's, she's got not good really hips. a real lady. Can you, uh, I assume you just go on Amazon and buy one then, right? No. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can go on Amazon and buy like a five litre still, like a little tiny still. Mm. And it's essentially it's, it, the same process, but just a lot bigger with a big still and a, and a, a lot more complicated. But, but yeah, you, you just get used to the, the process of, of distilling alcohol but you and but it's a pretty big investment to actually get the kit right yeah the, the kit is um because that's a pretty big shirley's a pretty big beast yeah shirley is 50 liters is it sorry 300 liters 300 liters. yeah so shirley would be small in comparison in cost to some of the bigger distilleries that you know have three hundred thousand pounds stills whereas Shirley is a lot cheaper, but um, the the hands-on uh, Shirley is, is 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 a still you need to be very hands-on with. Yeah, so because as you said, you need to be literally standing there, sort of catching yeah. the gin out yeah. of it by hand. Um, yeah. Shirley doesn't tolerate you not paying her attention, so you have to be. You have to be on it the whole time. Which means that this is why it's well worth paying the top dollar for the Monterey Gin, right? Because yes. uh, there's been a lot of yeah. uh, elbow uh, grease going into it. Right? Every single drop of Monterey Gin that ends up in a bottle has been observed and watched by me coming out of Shirley into, into the glass. <laughs> And as you I'd said, buy that. <laughs> <laughs> and sampled, perhaps. Yeah. Every litre I, I sample. So how is your tolerance these days to the uh, gin then, or to the booze in general? Oh, it's as bad as it always was. Have you got like a mega liver or what's going on? Probably. Uh, well, I, I did 
do the old blood tests on the liver about a year ago, and they were okay. So uh, um, uh, these days I, I spit out more than I swallow. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you know, I mean, uh, even though the martini, the classic tagline is so clean. <laughs> yeah. Let me just try that again. <laughs> so clean. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, my God, it's, it's, uh, can potentially end up a bit of a, a challenge in the next day. Get a bit dusty. Any dustiness still from no, the, you, you no, guys have worked no. through the dustiness if, from lockdown? Or? If you stick to the if you stick to the clean spirit, if you stick to the vodka or the gin, um, there's nothing cleaner. Um, so um, as so clean. Um, <laughs> Sorry, clean. <laughs> um, but yeah, the hangovers if you just stick to gin or just stick to vodka are, are really quite good. So that's where I went wrong. When yeah. I did the Vespa Martini, where yeah. I went vodka and gin. Yeah. Nightmare. No, <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, it is a nightmare well, to get yourself maybe, steaming, but yeah, not necessarily exactly. for hangovers. Yeah, it's a very effective way of getting to the end result. You seem when you did your video, babe, like halfway through, you were like, I started steaming a little bit. Yeah. I was not sure you're going to finish the video, mate. Let's just do a little selfie here because we can. I don't know if it's going to work out because of light. Oh, hang on. Oh. What happened there? <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, look, um, just in an attempt that we could probably just can this after this anyway, but um, uh, from now onwards, have you got anything to say about COVID-19? Oh, shit. Oh, Let's uh, open that Pandora and see what actually happens. Um, because haven't your... you been posting some interesting stuff on Facebook, right? Um, and you're mates with old, uh, what's her name? Um, there's been a few Cairo's that have been a little bit like... Well, I, I don't well, necessarily okay. think it's a Cairo thing. I think we should separate the Cairo yeah. and just forget okay. the fact that we're chiropractors and talk about the fact that we're humans living in this yeah. global okay. pandemic, yeah. right? Yeah. Fair so enough. Fair I'll, enough. I'll, I'll go first on this and then Neil can talk about conspiracy theories after me. Um, I, I would suggest that I, I cannot argue against an idea that uh, the data, the numbers do not support the actions the UK government and most European governments. So I would be in a position to suggest that the lockdown made no difference in whatever country you look at, if you look at purely the numbers and the data. So uh, I think uh, we probably had a really good strategy to begin with, which was probably more based on the science, uh, i.e. a Sweden plus model. Uh, the public opinion driven by the media seemed to change in the UK and then Boris and his chums got a bit uncomfortable and then swayed completely. They did a 100% U-turn, 180% U-turn and went to full lockdown and therein lies the problem. Uh, lockdown will cost many, many, many more lives as a strategy than, than not locking down. And that's sort of based on the sort of Sweden 
to a degree principle of, of like let's just separate people but not completely lock it down right um, yeah I, I'm, I'm unsure of the motivations of the UK government and Dominic Cummings but uh, I would say that uh, uh, the Sweden model made most sense there could have been uh, improvements to the way they approached it and I mean clearly we all know now that looking after the 85 year old plus group in care homes would have been a really, really good strategy. But, um, but yeah, I've forgotten what you were saying. <laughs> so there, have you got a conspiracy theory then, Neil? Come on, lay it on the line. No. I won't publish it, it's all right. <laughs> Maybe we'll just press pause. No, um, I don't know. The question is, what do we do from now, you know? The, uh, the, who knows what's going to happen when no one can count for what's already happened but who knows what the next stage is you know mandatory vaccines in uh, mandatory face masks in public places or i don't know so uh, i don't know to be honest i feel quite uncomfortable with everything that's happening about you know possibly taking away our public liberties and things like that. It's made me feel quite uncomfortable, but, you know, actually seeing my, my client base actually have had real faith in humanity that they're actually maybe questioning what's going on at large, but actually trying to live based on their true value systems. And that's given me real faith in the public. And so whatever happens, ongoing from here and about what is the next installment that the government might have if we all continue to live through our hearts and continue to live by our values and draw a line in the sand where you know where we feel safe then um i think if we all walk together work together in the future we can move forward Bring it on. My lads, how about that? Yeah. We did a podcast. We did. Well did, we, did we do one? Is it, Probably did not. It work? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I hope you don't have to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, thanks for a uh, lovely couple of cocktails, though. No. Um, I, you know, I can highly recommend having a cocktail made by the maker of the gin itself who has stared longingly down the barrel of the still. Every single drop. Mm. Tasted most of them. (laughs) (laughs) I've tried them all. (laughs) Anyway, from Cornwall, signing off. Cheers. Bye. Bye.